All right, so we spent December, everybody spends December preparing for Christmas. And then we spent a couple weeks in January talking about the second coming and how we need to be, be prepared for that. Last week, we talked about Mary who anointed Jesus with oil. And, and we see in the, the scriptures that was to prepare, to prepare him for burial. And this week in our text, we are preparing for Passover. Let me read Matthew 26, verse 17. It says, On the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Where do you want us to make preparations for you to eat the Passover? He replied, Go into the city to a certain man and tell him, The teacher says, My appointed time is near. I'm going to celebrate the Passover with my disciples at your house. So the disciples did as Jesus had directed them and prepared the Passover. Just a, a couple things that, that I wanted to, to, to discuss real quick here in the preparation. The disciples were to go, what it, was, it says, to a certain man. Uh, go, go into the city to a certain man. Well, that's kind of vague, isn't it? I mean, you just go to the city and like, hey, where is that certain man at, you know? Um, apparently, if you, if you look at Mark and Luke, it adds a little bit more context. Uh, what does it say in, in Mark? So he sent the two disciples telling them, go into the city and a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. A man carrying a jar of water. See, now this is like, I want to say that that's 2,000 years ago. That's women's work. You know, that's, if you see a domesticated man, um, see, it'd be in our, our world today, if you see somebody, if you see a man washing dishes, that's the guy, okay? So um, just not that many of them out there, right? So, uh, so, so anyway, so that's the man. It's a certain man, a specific man, a specific person, go to a specific place, what does it say? Where, where, do you want it, where do you want us to make preparation, preparations for you to eat the Passover? He replied, go to the city to a certain man. Tell him the teacher says, my appointed time is near. I'm going to celebrate the Passover with my disciples at your house. I really wish I knew who this guy was, but there's no name. Um, I'm just, I'm wondering if it's Zacchaeus' house. You know, did they go back to Zacchaeus' house? I don't know. Um, but what an honor it is that Jesus says, I need to meet at your house. I'm going to meet at your house. What an honor that would be. In this place that they're, they're celebrating the Passover, this, this becomes known to us as the upper room. In, in the Gospel of John, chapter 13 took place there. Chapter 14 took place there. Chapter 15 took place there. Chapter 16 and chapter 17. So a, a big chunk of the Gospel of John took place at, at this place on this night. A lot of stuff happened at this Passover. I'm just going to introduce us to what this is. But uh, they, they went there for a specific purpose, to celebrate the Passover. And I would ask you, you know, what is that? What do you know about the Passover? Um, that's my focus this morning. Let me do a quick poll here. Who here has been to a Seder supper? Okay, a lot of hands. Okay, so uh, a Seder supper is, is a Passover I'm not sure why they call it Seder. Does anybody know that? Anybody know why they call it Seder? What, what is it? Reading? Is that what it is? The, Seder means progression. Okay, so you progress through the Passover dinner. That's what it's about. The first time I went to a Seder dinner, um, it just it blew my mind. Um, and, and if you do one, if you go through a Seder supper, 
uh, you have to go through it with, uh, I think, okay, um, uh, was a Messianic Jew uh, because they just see the scriptures in color where the typical person here, we see it in black and white. And I went through it once with a Jew who was not a Christian, and it meant nothing, um, meant nothing. But with a Messianic Jew, they, oh, it's just a beautiful thing. Anyway, to my focus today is the Passover. Passover is the most celebrated festival of the Jewish people. No other day was as big as Passover. Not even the Day of Atonement. This, this is it. What, what, what our greatest holiday is this, to, the, to the Jewish mindset, this is the greatest holiday. It actually occurs on the 14th day of Nisan, uh, the first month of the Jewish calendar. And, and, and then after that, the Feast of Unleavened Bread continues for the rest of the week. Um, so what's it all about? And, and, and to really understand what the Passover is all about, we're going to go to Exodus chapter 12 here in a few minutes. Um, in Exodus chapter 12, I remember, I remember preaching one Sunday, and, and I, don't, I don't know what sermon this was. I wish I could remember. And I just remember telling the congregation to turn to Exodus 12. And it, it wasn't my fo- the focus of my sermon. I was preaching in the Gospel of John or Psalms or something. I don't know what I was preaching on. But hey, let's turn to Exodus chapter 12. And as I'm reading through Exodus chapter 12, as I'm preaching, my mind was blown. And I started seeing things I've never seen before. It was an incredible, I wish I could relive that experience. Um, It's really weird to me because, you know, typically I go to my office and I prepare for Sunday morning and that's where my mind gets blown. When I come here, that's not where it's supposed to happen, but I'll take it wherever I can get it. Um, But, you know, we're, but it just, things just start popping off the pages and I'm hoping it's going to happen for us today. But to get into it, before we get to Exodus chapter 12, let me give you some history. Um, If you remember, the Israelites were in bondage. In Egypt, they'd been in bondage for 430 years, and, and the Israelites were growing at, at such a fast pace that Pharaoh was getting concerned about that. And remember, if you remember in Exodus 1 and Exodus 2, um, he gave the order to actually throw the Israelite babies, the, the male babies, into the Nile River because there's just too many of them. And this is where we're introduced to the story of Moses. And as, as the story goes on, Moses, uh, he, he grows up. And, and he goes to the desert. He has the encounter with the burning bush. He, God sends him back to Pharaoh. With the, and and he, tells, he tells Moses, I want you to tell Pharaoh, let my people go. Remember the rest of that passage? Let my people go. Why? So they can worship me. So they may worship me. Um, so God instructs Moses to go to Pharaoh to, with the message, let my people go. And Pharaoh said, okay, sure. Um, no, that's not what Pharaoh said. Pharaoh said, no, no. This is what, he said, who is the Lord that I shall obey him and let Israel go? I do not know the Lord, and I will not let Israel go. That's what Pharaoh said. And as a result of that, all right, so, so God starts sending plagues on Egypt. Remember the plagues. The, the, the Nile River was turned to, to blood. And then the frogs, where's the Rosetta? Okay, I always think of Rosetta when I talk about frogs. And gnats. And was it locusts? I don't have this in order. And the livestock died and boils and, and darkness. Darkness so, so thick that you could, you could feel it. Um, all these plagues. Hail, did us, uh, uh, flies, all these, different, all these different plagues. And I can just imagine God saying, do you know me now? Do you know me now? But with each plague, Pharaoh hardened his heart. He would not listen. 
He would not let God's people go. And he told, he told Moses, get out. Not out of Egypt. Get out of my face. He, says, he, he said, get out of my sight. Make sure you do not appear before me again. The day you see my face, you will die. That's what Pharaoh said. Pharaoh was ticked because Pharaoh's in charge. Who does God think he is? And what's Moses do? Moses says, this is in Exodus chapter 11, verse 4. So Moses said, this is what the Lord says. About midnight I will go throughout Egypt, and every firstborn son in Egypt will die. From the firstborn son of Pharaoh who sits on the throne to the firstborn son of the slave girl who's at, at the handmill, and all the firstborn of the cattle as well will die. There will be loud wailing throughout Egypt, worse than ever has ever been or ever will be again. Verse 7 says, but among the Israelites, not a dog will bark at any man or animal. Then you will know that the Lord makes a distinction between Egypt and Israel. And all these officials of yours will come to me, bowing down before me, saying, go, you and all your people who follow you. And after that, I will leave. That's what Moses said to Pharaoh. Now, in in what Moses said, he's warning the 10th plague is coming. The 10th plague. He says, something's going to happen at midnight. Every firstborn son in Egypt will die. Rich or poor, it doesn't matter. And your livestock too. There will be unprecedented sorrow. And he says the Israelites won't be affected at all. And, and, and he says there will be an exodus. There will be an exodus. And then the next verse is something that really stands out to me. I just want to throw it in here. Uh, Verse 8, Exodus chapter 11, verse 8. Then Moses, hot with anger, left Pharaoh. Moses, hot with anger. I don't see Moses as being hot with anger. I see Moses as a humble servant, you know, a shepherd who, who, you know, sheepishly goes to Pharaoh and says, hey, let my people go. That's what God says. Um, but here, Moses is hot with anger. And I just want to ask the question, why? why? Why is Moses hot with anger? And my answer is because it doesn't need to happen this way. People don't need to die. If Pharaoh would just humble himself before God, if Pharaoh would submit to God, if Pharaoh would stop thinking he is God, all this suffering would not have to happen. But Pharaoh hardened his heart, and he would not let let the Israelites go. And then we get to Exodus 12. What I would tell you is perhaps one of the most important passages in the whole Bible. A passage that I'm, I'm going to try to preach on with fear and trembling. A passage I would tell you, I cannot do this justice. I would ask you to go home tonight, this week, and read Exodus 12 for yourself and allow God to speak to you. But I'm going to give it an attempt here. I, I want to I see if I can point out the things that, that, that God just threw in my face. As I read this, Exodus 12, verse 1, the Lord said to Moses and Aaron in Egypt, this month is to be for you the first month, the first month of, the, of your year. Tell the whole community of Israel that on the 10th day of this month, each, of you, each man is to take a lamb for his family, one for each household. If any household is too small for a whole lamb, they must share one uh, with the nearest neighbor. 
having taken into account the number of people who are there. You are to determine, you are to determine the amount of lamb needed in accordance with what each per person will eat. The animals you choose must be a year-old male without defect, and, and you may take them from the sheep or the goats, take care of them until the 14th day of the month, when all the people of the community of Israel must slaughter them at twilight. <clears throat> then they are to take some of the blood and put it on the sides and tops of the door frames of their houses where they eat the lambs. That same night they are to eat the meat roasted over the fire along with the bitter herbs and the bread made without yeast. Do not eat the meat raw or cooked in, in water, but roasted, or roasted over the fire head and legs and inner parts. Do not leave any of it till morning. If some of it is left till morning, you must burn it. This is how you are to eat it, with your cloak tucked into your belt, with your sandals on your feet and your staff in your hand. Eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. Verse 12, on that same night, I will pass through Egypt and strike down every firstborn, both men and animals, and I will bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. The blood will be a sign for you on the houses where, where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. No destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. This is a day you are to commemorate. For the generations to come, you shall celebrate it as a festival to the Lord, a lasting ordinance. Let me just stop right here, see if I can highlight some things here. First thing is the, the, the verse, uh, verse 2, the, this month is to be for you the first month. The first month of your year. They, they, they redid their whole calendar based on this event. You know, how, how we have uh, B.C. and A.D., you know, before Christ and, and after his death. You know, we, we changed our whole, the way we, 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 we mark everything based on the, the birth and the death of, of Jesus Christ. The Jews changed their whole calendar based on this event. Everything is centered around this event. This is the first month. This month is, is for you the first month. And they call that month Nisan. Nisan? I don't know how you say it. Um, and, and, and notice this, this here, verse, verse, uh, verse 3. Tell the whole community of Israel that on the 10th day of this month, the 10th day of this month, this is when they're to choose a lamb. They're very specific, very specific. On the 10th day of this month, go find your lamb. And, and then choose a lamb, one for, for each family, one for each household. And, and, and notice verse 3, it says each man, each man is to take a lamb. It doesn't say each priest. It, it doesn't, this isn't a responsibility of the priest. This is a responsibility of each man, the head of their household. The head of the household. Every man has responsibility to provide for their family, to protect his family. And I would tell you, both physically and spiritually, it's on you. If you are the head of your home, this is on you. And if you don't do it, your family is going to suffer. In my mind, I read this, and this is a, this is a call for men to, 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 to step up. Men to, to be obedient to the word of God for the sake of your family. If you love your family, if you care about your family, heads of the household, step up. Be obedient to the word of God. And then verse 4, if any household is too, too small for a whole lamb, they must share one with the nearest neighbor. You, you need to be looking out for your neighbors. This is, this is the word of God. You know, if you see a neighbor in need, you, you, you help your neighbors out. Look out for your neighbors. 
and choose a lamb what, without defect. Verse 5, the animal you choose must be a year old male without defect. And you must take, take them from the sheep or the goats, take care of them until the 14th day of the month. The four, 14th day, very specific once again. Choose it on the 10th day of the month, and on the 14th day of the month, slaughter it. It's to be slaughtered by all the people. Now, it's the it's head of the house that actually kills the lamb, but the whole family participates in this. No one's exempt. Everybody participates. And then you take the blood, and you take the blood, and you cover your doorpost with the blood. And it talks about roasting it with fire. And eat it. Consume it. Process it. Digest it. Take it in. Chew on it. Leave no leftovers. Let it become a part of you. Eat it with cloak tucked in, sandals on, staff in hand. Eat it in haste. And when I, I see it, eat it in haste. I, I, I just I, I have this vision in my head of like being in the airport and you're hungry, uh, but your flight's getting ready to leave, but you're hungry. So, so you go through the quickest line you can find with your suitcase in your hand. You got your coat on. You're ready to go. This is the original fast food right here. Um, the, the, are we? There should be a sense of urgency. In readiness, are we ready? Are we ready? And this is to be a lasting ordinance. This, this is a day you are to commemorate for the generations to come. You shall celebrate it as a festival to the Lord, a lasting ordinance. Don't forget what is happening at this moment. Teach this to your children. Remember, remember this. Remind them. Retell it. This, this moment changes everything. That's how important this is. This is the Lord's Passover. And the Israelites are, it's what? What is this? We've never heard of that before. This is a new thing to us. What is this? And I'm telling you what this is right now. You look at God's instructions, and he was meticulous. So many details, and every detail is important. The time, the lamb, the blood, the participants, it's all important. And, and you go on in the, in the chapter. We'll come back to all this here, but verse 21. Then Moses summoned all the elders of Israel and said to them, Go at once and select the animals for your families and slaughter the Passover lamb. Take a bunch of hyssop, dip it into the blood in the basin, and put some of the blood on the, on the top and both sides of your door frame. No one... No, not one of you shall go out the door of his house until morning. You put the blood on the door, and you don't step out of that house. You stay in there. And when the Lord goes through the land to strike down the Egyptians, he will see the blood on the top and the sides of the doorframe, and he will pass over that doorway. And he will not permit the destroyer to enter your house and strike you down. You see all these instructions. I'm like, can you imagine if you were an Israelite and you're hearing all this stuff? And, and what would be going through your head? What would be going through your head as you're hearing all these instructions, what you're supposed to do? And I'm thinking the typical person would be like, that's just weird. That's just weird stuff. Who's passing over? I mean, I, I don't want to bring a lamb into my house. That's going to make a mess. And I don't want to put blood on my door frame. I mean, it wouldn't match the color scheme of the house. I don't want to do this stuff. Moses says, obey these instructions as a lasting ordinance for you and your descendants. And when you enter the land that the Lord will give you as, as he promised, observe this ceremony. And when, you, when, when your children ask you, what does this ceremony mean to you? That's a good question. Have you figured it out yet? What, what does this ceremony mean to you? Um, 
When your children ask you what the ceremony means to you, then, then tell them it is the Passover sacrifice to the Lord who passed over the houses of the Israelites in Egypt and spared our homes when he struck down the Egyptians. And, and then the people bowed down and worshiped. And get this, verse 28, the Israelites did just what the Lord commanded Moses and Aaron. What would have happened if they didn't do it? What would have happened if they didn't think they had to pay attention to these instructions? They didn't understand it, so they didn't do it. I mean, do you have to understand the Word of God to do the Word of God? Um, you know, sometimes we don't understand what God's talking about, but we need to do it. Don't be like Pharaoh. Don't harden your heart against the Word of God. What, what Jake was saying, he is the Lord of lords. He has all authority. It's our job to obey. And you, you see, the Israelites, they obeyed. They obeyed. And then verse 29, it started. At midnight, the Lord struck down all the firstborn in Egypt. From the firstborn of Pharaoh, who sat on the throne, to the firstborn of the prisoner, who was in the dungeon, and the firstborn of all the livestock as well. Pharaoh and all of his officials and all the Egyptians got up during the night, and there was loud wailing in Egypt, and there was not a house without someone dead. And if I could just briefly take you to that night in Egypt at midnight and it's dark and you're in bed and you hear wailing and screaming all around you. When God unleashed his wrath, there were, there were screams of anguish, the wail of an Egyptian mother in agony and then another and then another, and then another, and another. Useless to call for help because everyone was suffering. You know, the priests, they had their own dead and their family that, that they had to take care of. They, they had their own wives they had to comfort. The physicians, they were, they were busy trying to comfort their families. Egypt was wailing. Every family was affected. Not one was exempt. I read perhaps 250,000 people died that night. It could have been more. And yet Israel was, everybody was in their homes worshiping the Lord. What's the difference between what's going on in Egypt and what was going on in, in Goshen, Goshen where, the, where the Israelites were? What's the difference? What's the difference? And then verse 31, during the night, Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron and said, Up, leave my people, you and the Israelites. Go, worship the Lord as you have requested. Take the flocks and the herds, as, as you said, and go. And, and he says this, and also bless me. Pharaoh is a broken man at this point. He's a broken man. And the Egyptians urged the people to hurry and leave the country, for otherwise they said, we will all die. And this is the moment that the Israelites have been officially released from bondage, officially released from slavery. The, the, the book of Exodus is called Exodus, but it's really, there's only four verses about the Exodus. Most of it, it's about the Passover. And, and, and my, my question, why, why? And my answer is because it all points to Jesus. Have you seen that yet? Have you figured that out? It all points to Jesus. 
Colossians 2, verse 17, these are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. And, and I'm, I would tell you, if you are not a Christian at this point, if you don't get it, if you don't understand, like, this is a weird stuff. Christianity, I don't, I don't get why people go to church every Sunday, why they do all the things they do. I'm telling you, this might be the moment that your eyes are opened and you see what the rest of us see. You get it. You understand because of what's going on here. What's going on here? I want you to see the parallels. You, the lamb. Every, every family was supposed to choose a lamb. What, why? What, what is that? The lamb. The la- Jesus is the lamb of God. John the Baptist, he says, um, he says, look, the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. The lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Paul says, for Christ, our Passover lamb has been sacrificed Peter writes in, in 1 Peter chapter 1, For you know that it was not with perishable, perishable things, things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish and defect. Jesus Christ is the lamb. And, and get this, okay, the, the, okay, yeah, we know that. Do you, do you know that Jesus Christ was examined? There, you're supposed to take the lamb on the 10th day and, and not slaughter it until the 14th day. And what do you do during that time? You, you make sure that's a healthy lamb, a, a lamb without defect. And, and, and the Bible tells us that God chose Jesus before creation, the creation of the world. First Peter chapter 1, he was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed to us the last times for your sake. He was chosen by God. He was chosen by all of Israel at the triumphal entry. When Jesus comes in and they're, they're singing, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna to the highest. When, when was the triumphal entry? That would have been on the 10th day of the first month. And all of Israel said, he's our king. He's, he's ours, our king. They chose him then. And what happened the rest of that week, within the four days, he was, he was examined by Pilate. Luke chapter 23, verse 4, then Pilate announced to the chief priest in the crowd, I, have, I, found, I find no basis for a charge against this man. And then verse 13, Pilate called together the chief priests, the rulers of the people, and, and said to them, you brought me this man as one who was inciting the people to rebellion. I have examined him in your presence, and I have found no basis for your charge against him. There is no defect. There is no flaw. There is no blemish. He, he's examined him twice. He examined him the third time. Verse 22, for the third time he spoke to them. Why? What crime has this man committed? I have found in him no grounds for the death penalty. Three times he was pronounced righteous, not guilty. He was a lamb without blemish, without defect. I think it's impressive stuff. Don't know if you're impressed yet. This next one. This next one is what brought me to my knees. While I was preaching on a Sunday morning, this is what I saw. This is what just blew me away. Jesus was killed on the 14th day of Nisan. As it was instructed 1,500 years before at the, Passover, at the original Passover, you take the lamb, you take it on the 10th day of the month, 
but you don't kill it until the 14th day. But on the 14th day at twilight, and Jesus was killed on the 14th day at twilight. Now, what really impresses me about that, you look at, you look at these verses, John chapter 7, verse 30. At this, at this, they tried to seize him, but no one laid a hand on him because his time had not yet come. That's in John chapter 7. You go to John chapter 8. He spoke these words while teaching in the temple area near the place where the offerings were put. Yet no one seized him because his time had not yet come. Remember when they, they tried to throw him over a cliff in, uh, in Luke chapter 4? They, they, they were so mad at Jesus and they took him to a cliff. And they were going to throw him over and he walked right through the crowd. You know why he did that? Because his time had not yet come. You can't kill Jesus before you can kill Jesus. That was profound. Okay, um, you... Yeah, that could came out better. Um, John 13, verse 1. It was just before the Passover feast, and Jesus knew that his time had come. Remember last week, last week, Matthew 26, the, the chief priests and the elders, they wanted to kill Jesus, but not during the feast. We're not going to kill him on the 14th day of Nisan. No, no, we will not do that. Oh, yeah. It was just before the Passover feast, Jesus knew that his time had come. He was slaughtered on the 14th day of Nisan. They wanted to kill him so many other times, and they couldn't. They didn't want to kill him at this time, and they did. Who's in charge? Who's calling the shots? My God is calling the shots. And he was roasted by God's fiery wrath. Jesus took the wrath of God, pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. He was roasted, had to be eaten. Jesus says, says to them, I tell you the truth, unless you eat the, the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. We, we are to consume Jesus Christ. We are to abide in Jesus Christ and him in us. It says in uh, John 6, verse 55, For my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in him. That's the whole point of, of eating the, the, the bread and drinking the cup is that we remain in him and he in us. And one more thing I want you to see. Jesus' blood it is what saves us. In the original Passover, they had to take the blood of the lamb. They had to put it on their doorpost. We have to take the blood of Jesus Christ and be washed in his blood. So the angel of death passes over. Not that we deserve the angel of death passing over. We deserve to die just like everybody else deserves to die because of our sins. But God provides a way. Out of his mercy, out of his love, out of his grace, he provides a way. He provides the blood of Jesus Christ. And listen to a couple of these verses here. Romans 3, verse 23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, but are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented him as a sacrifice of atonement through faith in his blood. They were told, put blood on your doorpost. This is, God is telling you, you you will be atoned by the blood of Jesus. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. 
Colossians 1 verse 19, for, for God was pleased to have all of his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on the earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Hebrews 13 verse 12, and so Jesus also suffered outside the city gates to make the people holy through his own blood. I've heard people say, why do you Christians sing all these songs about blood? That's gross. That's weird. That's weird. Do you understand? It's the blood of Jesus that saves us. God provided a way for us to be released from the bondage of the sins of this world so that we could go worship him, so that we could go be with him, so we could live forever with him. What the Passover was, 1,500 years before this moment, that's 3,500 years ago, what the Passover was, Jesus came to fulfill all of it, and we can look back and we see what our God has done for us. And if you see it, how can you not worship? How can you not praise his name and be grateful for what he's done for us through Jesus Christ? So my question to you, what... What are you going to do with the blood of Jesus? What are you going to do with it? The Israelites were to put it on their doorpost. We are to put our faith in the blood of Jesus Christ. And once we do, we will be free from the bondage of sin and death. Satan will have no choice but to let us go. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him, the lamb, whoever puts their faith in his blood shall not perish but have eternal life. Are you washed in the blood of Jesus Christ?